Hello there. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of the Talk Architecture Podcast 2022. I am your host, Naziati Muhammad Yaqub, and I would like to say Happy New Year to you, and um, I hope you're happy there, starting the new year, and um, take care uh, during this pandemic. The topic that opens the new year uh, for Talk Architecture is continuing the discussion and the conversation um, that is necessary to understand about inclusion. And I found an article by IDEO.org, which is famous for design thinking. And um, this article that I found is regarding creative inclusion and bias breaking. What is notable is that a similar um, sort of inquiry or research or understanding to how a non-disabled person would be more empathetic. How could they be more empathetic? to a disabled person's needs. So in EDO, they created a game. So they were introducing about how the participants um, that they were facilitating regarding this matter played a game um, with a set of cards. Why do, Why are they playing this set of cards. They call it adapt opaque. It's because the question was raised that um, can a farmer who is um, disabled work, you know, or how might a person with a disability work as a farmer? in any country, like in Nepal or India and so on, they were discussing about this. So um, as a disabled person, I, I, I could actually think up of ideas immediately because we are used to being to be empathetic. Uh, we are used to thinking uh, through other people. Um and trying to find a solution. So that's the advantage of a disabled person who is a designer, perhaps. Um, maybe um, I'm limited in thinking or finding a solution to this. Uh, maybe I have my prejudices or, or, um, or preconceived ideas regarding this matter. But uh, Edio did this adapt opaque uh, and and uh, conducted this game with a group of participants, where the, there is um, at the end of the day you want to describe it as I, I go and talk about this a bit. Uh, it's it's for their research. They they call it the the method called red, randomizer. So it's a thesis that the author of this article, which I will put down in the caption below, 
um, yeah, there's no name of the author, but anyway, I'll give that name later. And uh, they came up with this um, adapter pack. It's a quirky brainstorming activity challenges participants to generate ideas around a random combination of themes, trends, activities. So the power lies in forcing participants to provoking solutions to combination of ideas and themes that never thought of before. So um, this is to try and tackle the bias we saw from people Without a disability, we created a customized version of the randomizer, which we called the Adapt Opac. And this game of creative inclusion, there are six cards that have livelihood activities on them, and six cards that have different personas of a person with a disability, inspired by the people that they met during the research that they did. I'll talk about that later. So they, uh, what one should do is lay out each of the cards from both categories in a row, one on top and one in the bottom, and place the third set of cards, which are numbered one through six in the middle of these rows, assign each row of categories one of the colors of the two dice you have, for example, and the livelihood cards are the blue dice and the persona cards are the yellow dice. So you can have something like a pairing so they roll the dice and generate a random combination of livelihood programs and personas such as livestock farming and Harriet, who is a hearing impaired person, a mechanical, and Vic, who is blind. So the participants are then encouraged to brainstorm solutions for how that livelihood environment can be made more inclusive for that particular persona. Participants are encouraged to generate wild ideas, visualize the concepts, and defer judgment along the way. Something like this we were thinking about because when, when um, you have universities' entrance um, application uh, listing out uh, candidates' requirements like you can't, a uh, blind person cannot do mechanical engineering, for example. I mean, this is a real life thing that we face uh, in our country. And, and, uh, I actually wrote an article on, uh, blind, the blind architect. One would think seriously, a blind architect, but I've actually met blind architects before. And, they may they may develop blindness, um, like after architecture school, um, or while they will practice, and then they still practice architecture even though they develop blindness, uh, because you can always have an assistant draw for you if you really want to do architecture practice, because you can still visualize in your mind architecture. You can actually interpret. Interpret it in your mind. It is not to do with your eyes. You can draw things with the help of some technology. I'm sure there's now more advanced technology. I mean, I, I'm, I'm more of a manual um, drawing person, you know, rather than a digital, a using digital tool. But I'm sure that sometime along the way, 
the technology could be advanced that I can actually draw from visualizing in my brain because I can still type words, can I? So visualizing in my mind, I mean, not brain. Um, and so um, for me, that um, this adaptable pack is interesting because um, we are doing training modules on how architects could empathize with um, this disabled person or architects understanding the concept of disability. There's something like, a nut to crack in terms of the training, you know, and this is a very good positive development that EDO is doing from this person who is um, doing this. Um, he said that it's impossible for a person without a disability to ever truly understand what it means to be disabled, period. True empathy, however... True, as in T-R-U-E, empathy, however, can often take the form of human connection over a shared emotion or experience. The adaptive pack creates this moment of connection by tapping into the creative potential of the participant and encouraging them to even for a moment empathize with the type of creative necessity people with disabilities display on a daily basis. It's always like a good intention, you know, to one um, a person without a disability um, to to be able to truly understand a disabled person. And there is this connection and the potential of it. And at that moment, a eureka moment, or they start thinking, yeah, why didn't I think about that? Yeah, a hearing, hearing impaired person um who is um in this regard what it what did it say just now um livestock farming so that's possible even for a person without disability to think that is possible for a person who's hearing impaired maybe listening to the f farm animals um she could think uh, she could feel through the vibration of things you know you know this is not something that people don't know it's like for example a hearing impaired person or a deaf person who can dance yeah there's vibrations um that could be felt for example um through noise or through through um through uh sound so, um, solving a a problem or trying to find a solution is what designers do. So it says here that many of the ideas the participants came up with in their testing were wildly irrelevant or unrealistic, but the point adaptive pack is to help participants visualize possibilities. So maybe it's okay to to be unrealistic, but it's the thing where where visualizing possibilities means that um, that you you are set 
this challenge, this challenge, this challenge of, of giving you this probability of a hearing impaired person in livestock farming, for example, um, if you see something that is, you feel something, you know, livestock farming is not easy if you cannot hear. So, um, it forces someone to think about sensory, um, sensory the the um the sen the sensory issues it forced someone to think about what is hearing impairment and um it forced someone to think about the the human being has more than one a sense and what about the other senses and this opened a new gateway or new understanding to to appreciate the different senses if one doesn't have eyesight or the or is um having blindness then how would one use one's hearing to aid in um the livelihood so it started with um the person here is um uh I didn't say the name, but okay. It started with this writer talking about how might a person with disability work as a farmer in Nepal. That's impossible, they can't. This was the initial reaction we got most often when starting conversations about adapting various livelihood programs for people with disabilities. They were working with humanity and inclusion, one of their amplified partners, to create a tool that helps organizations adapt their current workspaces and training environments to be more inclusive. So the first knee-jerk reaction is that's impossible. That and um, the persons with disabilities that they spoke to would answer the same question with a yes, but there are. Um, Five first ways to make it happen. So when you haven't had to think creatively about your surroundings, it's easy to instinctually believe that the possible is simply impossible. This is the unconscious bias that was the heart of their work. What possible looks like? So they went to Nepal and they met a gentleman who... Um, has mobility issue from arth severe arthritis, um, having a stiff white leg stance, difficulty in bending his knees, and a challenge pivoting his lower back. So he has difficulty to move around and navigate the spaces, but then he told um, the researcher about the work, his shop, uh, walked through the farm and the backyard, and he shows the possibility of being a farmer, even though he's mobility-impaired person. So he made small changes to his farm, just widening the paths between crops to make it easier for him to negotiate space, which was a simple solution. He just have to, to have the creative confidence to make his farm work for him. So this is one of the stories that, that um, they encountered through their research. And um, so 
the crux of this all was how might they inspire a person without a disability to overcome their own bias about what a person with disability can and cannot do. Yeah, that's the thing that, um, you know, we just shake our heads and we think, oh, no, this person can't do this, you know, it's ingrained in our thinking. So, so this researchers, they believe that this would open a door to collaborative solution between persons with disabilities and the non-disabled counterparts. So, yeah, this topic makes me think about this training for non-disabled persons or architects and designers per se and how they could overcome their biasness in designing for um, inclusion. I think when one has uh, climbed over a barrier of thinking, uh, the barrier is understanding disability and the barrier is understanding barriers. So there's a link with disability and barriers. And the barrier lies with attitude or perception of of you know how persons with disabilities you can you can hear this story over and over again person with disabilities you can't do this why don't you stay at home why why do you have to go and use the bus you know you have a problem getting in and out and you know the system is not made for you to have ease of entrance or ease of entry into the bus or get onto the bus and other public transportation. And um, why are you a disabled person? You're on the road using their wheelchair. Can't you get onto the curb? So the curb is not accessible. So you get this a lot, you know, uh, in terms of this biasness of a disabled person, you should stay at home, you know. You're in trouble. You, you make, you know. Or you have an environment that says, oh, um, we should make it more accessible for you. You you should be able to go around like everybody else. So this bias, this perception is not only in the livelihood aspect. Um, it's, it's inherent in the basic aspects of human uh, human rights, the rights to access and the rights to go everywhere, you know, seamlessly without any barriers. Now, large in there, right inside, is the understanding of disability. I see this article. It's a good article. It's a good thing that they, they a good exercise, a good project. And I see there's limitations to it in a sense that um, do they actually learn more than what, you know, what they they did with the brainstorming? Could they actually create something? Could there be a project after that? Could they be involved with the project later? Because there is this continuity that is needed. I mean, even in um, architects who uh, went into training courses on uh, universal design, what did they learn from that? Would they implement what they have learned in what they do later, you know? And it's kind of complex in a way that I understand that the client is a very important factor in it or the person who gives the funding for the architect and the designer that you should do things 
with um, disability in mind, you know, designing with disability in mind. I mean, this factor is so important to to be part of the whole equation, you know. So, um, yeah, understanding disability as well, you know, even the words that we use, uh, people without disability, actually, most people has some form of disability and disability is just, there is a barrier to you wanting to do what you want to do. So could be anything, you know, really, um, we've discussed this before. It could be uh, the language barrier. It could be uh, access to information barrier. It could be anything, really. Everyone is being challenged unless they live in their own house. You know I mean, anybody who, all of us living in our house, we can negotiate uh, things easily and, you know, just need access to the internet. And there you go. You can do things now. You can go on Zoom online and meetings online and you can get things done just being at your own home. What is the advantage of meeting people, of having social interactions outside your house? That's one of the things that some people, they have they can easily access outside. They can easily go outside and meet other people, interact with other people. But persons with disabilities, they have all these added barriers that they have to encounter, obviously. So um, inclusion is a state of mind. I mean, to think inclusion, to think inclusivity is a state of mind that have to be second nature. How do actually, you know, a primary school children, a primary school child or a secondary school child or someone in high school or elementary school, you know, start thinking about inclusion from the very beginning. Start thinking about solution-driven or start thinking about getting everybody in. How do they actually... um get this state of mind, this thinking of including everyone. If the examples around them are filled with barriers and that the adults also uh, encourage them to think about barriers to um, barriers for disability, you know, and um, the prejudices included. So how do you actually get people to actually embrace inclusivity. So um, often people say it's about education. It starts from the school. It starts from the house. You know, education could start at a very young age. And um, if you're a designer, it could very be second nature as well to think about others when you design. Thinking about others is... Or empathetic or being having this thinking or feeling that everyone should be involved is something that is the grounding or the basis of it all. So eventually, even if you're not a designer, you're the client because you know. When we talk about inclusivity, it's not only the designer's responsibility, it's also other people's 
responsibility as well. You know, when you talk about a client, that's the person with the funds or the person who manages the funds and get the designer to to design something. So if that person says it has to be inclusive, so the designer automatically try to learn as well because it's part of his job or her job. So, so this... It's not a missing gap. It's there. It's just link uh, connecting the dots on how one would understand disability and barriers. It's just how it is to be done in our training courses, in our education system to train architects and designers is something else. And, um, you know... Um, but another thing is as well, growing up to understand that this is an important issue and not to be taken lightly. So it's same as climate change, you know, but sustainability, there was an argument that says sustainability, architects um, understood that right away. But when it comes to social justice, when it comes to inclusivity, uh, it's a bit, architects are a bit more reluctant to adapt to that why is that why is that so there, there was an article earlier about that uh, that we addressed in the podcast as well so um, this is something that we need to find out and uh, hopefully we will present our case more uh, for the podcast this year the podcast this year in 2022 will be dealing mostly with Topics such as this, like um, design with empathy, design with disability in mind, and universal design and accessibility. So thank you for listening to the podcast.